It's Thursday, July 14th, 2016, and you're listening to episode 408 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 42 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. My name's Chad. And my name is Pat. Alrighty. Two really, really random things, then we're going to roll into the topic. I don't normally feel the need to communicate my random bits of entertainment consumption, but once in a rare while, something strikes me so profoundly that I feel the need to share it with the world. Is this fear of the porn habits? No, no, no. There's no pornography involved in this. The last time I did this, Pets actually, yeah. Chad, was mm-hmm. because of you when you got oh. me to watch Moon. Oh, yes. And it's a I, wonderful I, movie. And I came on the show singing whoa, the praises whoa. of the moon. This is a family show. Oh, okay, I see. Mm-hmm. But the more recent one... By the way, if you haven't seen Moon... Go see Moon. Go yeah. see Moon. It's, drop this episode. We are not worth it. Go see Moon. Right. We'll be yes. here when you get back. And you know another movie they should see that they will not believe us. They will not believe us. They will think we're idiots and they won't watch Moon because I'm about to suggest this. The Judge Dread remake. Yes, they should watch that. I completely because agree. it's a phenomenal movie. The Carl Urban, yep, Judge remake with he has two lines. It's like a grunt, and a rrr, but it is. But it's Carl Urban. It's He's phenomenal. Awesome. You never Carl see his Urban. face, and the psychic chick's kind of hot. So yeah, there you go. but the story's good and cogent, and yeah. the action yeah. flows and is interesting. But it's not an inch thick deep plot. Dude, I mean, it's I wonderful. Hate, I hate three D movies. Yeah, because it's always in my opinion, I, I like them. It's gratuitously shoved in there. Well, oh, it's it, coming right. If it's gimmicky. Yeah, right, right, right. Stupid. But there is a scene and I'll do my best not to spoil the movie here. I don't think this is a major plot point, but there's a scene in the movie where they're trying to show from the first person what it is like to trip on a particular drug mm. that gives you the perception that time has slowed down. It doesn't actually slow right. down time, but it screws up the way your brain perceives time. And the main villain, someone called Mama, mm-hmm. is sitting in a bathtub tripping on this drug and as she's doing it she's like flicking water and bath bubbles and stuff around and when i saw that scene it was in 2d i was watching it on tv it was the first time in my life i stopped in the middle movie and was like i wish i was watching Mm. this in 3d because what they're trying to accomplish here 3d would not be gratuity i think it would actually be a necessary part of the art I wish the movie had been successful because it needed a sequel. They have hmm. talked about one on and off, but the yeah. last word from Carl Urban is they're not doing one. Yeah. I which, mean, the movie bombed. It tanked. It did. I get it. It yeah. Well, but you know what? So did Pacific Rim, from what I understand. But they have finally yeah. greenlit Pacific Rim 2. I'll slated, watch anything with Idris Elba in it. Slated for uh, 2018. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a television series that was on a several Luther. years ago. Is that what it is? Well, I yeah. happened to see it. No, this is like a, a documentary type of a thing. Oh. I was flipping channels yesterday, and it was a showing that was, there was also the Idris Elba. No, this was Idris Elba, and I need to look it up and see. But it was it's like a documentary kind of a thing where it's it's him himself. You know, so mm. he's not playing a character or anything. And I thought of you, or well, I was seeing yeah. you when you said that you'll you watch anything with him yep. in it. I'll Huge I'll find out what this fan. is, or they will tell they'll post it on the uh, forum yeah. if I forget, and then you can watch that too. Beast of No Nation wonderful movie that's incredibly hard to watch but the movie that i just saw and i hate to sound like a sales pitch but this is my honest opinion i went out and saw batman versus superman in theaters Mm -hmm. when it was released and like most people i walked out of there thinking 
it wasn't the worst movie I've ever seen, but it was pretty damn bad. Yeah. I mean, I on a typical letter grade scale, I give that movie a D. And the only thing keeping it out of that range it looked like it was there were some good scenes in it. The characters lacked consistency. The plot lacked cogency. The whole thing, it just seemed like everything they were attempting to do did not work. On a lark this past weekend, I don't even know what motivated me to do this, but I picked up a copy of the ultimate cut that they just released. There's something like 30 to 45 minutes of footage added back in that was cut from the theatrical release. And when I was posting about this on Facebook, because I was, I don't know, whatever the equivalent of live tweeting on Facebook is, I was commenting as I was watching right. the movie. And somebody overposting. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Oversharing. But yeah. I at least kept it in one thread, so I wasn't spamming people. Well, see, that's good. See, on Facebook, it's it's not like Twitter. Yeah. I don't want someone making post, 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 post and because then when I go to check Facebook, it's 30 posts of them and yeah. no one else. I just kept adding to, to that your one thread. thread. Yeah, yeah, I just kept fine. commenting farther as I got deeper into the movie. But somebody asked me, they said, so was it like the best scenes ended up on the cutting room floor? And my response was no. That actually is not how I describe it. The way that I think I would describe it is the way they cut the movie was, I think, to get it down to size time-wise. They were trying to remove what strike me as critical themes of the movie. Mm -hmm. I think a better analogy would be if you were to go through a novel and simply strike out every third or every fourth sentence. And what you're left with, I mean, you can probably kind of follow, but it never is going to totally work or make sense. But with what they added back in, in the full cut, the ultimate edition cut that has that 30 or 45 minutes added back in, holy shit. It was an outstanding movie. Everything, or at least almost everything, that fell flat on its face and was embarrassing to watch in the theatrical release, they nailed it in this movie. Even the dreaded Martha scene, and I won't spoil what that is if you don't know, even that dreaded scene, if you're actually paying attention to what they're doing, suddenly makes a whole lot more sense. So if you are a fan of this at all, I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money. Nobody's paying me for an ad here. You need to see Moon. But, yeah, yeah, see Moon. Pay whatever you have to for that. (laughs) But with this, if you get the opportunity to see or to borrow the full cut of Batman versus Superman, give it a try because I was absolutely blown away. And as I was live. This is a hard sell for me. Well, as I was live Facebooking it, there were a couple other people that were watching the thread. They're like, okay, I'll go check it out. And every one of them came back and said the same thing. That it's like, wow, this was a completely different movie. So the movie looked so bad that I cannot bring myself to see it. And just how bad the movie is or it looked to me. I mean, I really trust your opinion on movies. Mm -hmm. You obviously are feeling very enthused about this director's cut. And that still is not convincing me to watch it. And I get that because I'm not some kind of gushing fanboy. Sure. I can, well, you do love you some Batman. Well, yeah. yes. <laughs> but the fact is that I I mean, I can walk into a Batman movie and say, as much as I wanted this to work, it sucked. Yeah. Dark Knight Rises, I did not like. Mm-hmm. I mean... Is that I, the one with the breakdancing motorcycle? The well, that was in a couple. That was actually in the two latter movies. This is the one with Bane. Oh. But, yeah, that one sucked. I, Although I do like the guy who plays Bane, like, a lot. Yeah, Tom Hardy, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, I mean, it had some cool scenes... 
But as a movie, I did not like it. And I was able to walk out of there and say as much as I liked Batman Begins and Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises did not do it for me. Mm-hmm. And so I, mean, I can walk away from a movie and say this as much as I wanted this to work. It didn't. The Michael Bay Transformers movies. I desperately wanted an update of those. I have he never seen a single one of them. Don't. It is. I cannot say. Even his movie Battleship, I can say one. <laughs> you re- saw it? Yeah, I did. Oh, I watched oh, it. For, I caught it for free on cable. I paid okay. nothing That's for okay. it. Oh, I don't know. I can My come time up, is certain. I, I, I can I would, come I up only... with one redeeming thing to say about it. Okay. Only one. Sure. Okay. So keep in mind the Battleship Missouri sits in, at least at the time, Satin Harbor, more or less as a mothballed museum. Right. And it's it's still that way. Okay. All right. So I I didn't know if it was still that way, but okay. So it's still that way. There is a scene in the movie where the setup of the movie is basically the board game Battleship is playing on. It's it's a terrible, terrible movie. Mm -hmm. I'm not. This is not Moon. This is not even Batman versus Superman. Do you know that they're making a Tetris movie? It's going to be a trilogy. I heard that. I hoping that was a joke. Is that real? It's absolutely real. Yeah. It's absolutely real that they're going to make three movies about it, and it's not like a parody. No, or... nope. Okay, and, and they no the creators will not reveal. They have kept it a tight secret how they are making this movie and what it's going to be about. I think they've said that it's not going to be pixels. You, the movie pixels, where yeah, yeah. Even though those are Tetris pieces, yeah. they're, they're other voxels. They're voxels, not, not pixels. Nobody knows yes. what a voxel is, but yeah, it's not going to be. Tetris pieces coming down necessarily like in the movie Pixels. Yeah, I don't have a huge Twitter imprint, like personally. Yeah. But that was one of my most liked and retweeted tweets was when I was standing in line for a movie. I saw the marquee for it. And I'm like, yeah. why are they calling this movie Pixels when those are voxels? Right. And all right. that, I got a whole bunch of likes or tweets. But anyways, this uh, battleship was not a good movie. An, an <laughs> alien, no way. An alien <laughs> ship comes down and basically starts playing a game of blind firing battleship, just like the board game, uh-huh. against a bunch of, I don't know if they're Arleigh Burks or what they were, but it was a bunch of like destroyers and guided missile cruisers and things like that. And one by one, these ships all get torn up. And when they finally figure out how to beat the aliens, they've basically run out of ships. And so they go back to the battleship Missouri, which is sitting there in harbor. And the battleship, the way I understand it in real life, many of the curators of the battleship as a museum are veterans who served on the battleship. So these are all people that were actually on the That's battleship. Like the, uh, D-Day Museum in Norway. Yeah, exactly. So these were people that actually served on the battleship in World War II, the Korean War, whatever war. Okay, these were real veterans. And they cast the real veterans. They did not go out and recast them. And there is the scene at the climax of the movie where the alien warship is approaching land is about to do its. I don't know what it was even going to do. I don't remember. It wasn't that interesting. Doomsday, something <laughs> or other. And the battleship Missouri comes alongside of it and is preparing to do this big, you know, full gun broadside exchange with it. And the aliens take a shot at it and they hit the Missouri. And this is a complete cheese line, except for who delivered it and how it was delivered. Because this should be terrible. But, and, and maybe this is just some kind of naked patriotism or jingoism. <laughs> I don't know. But the point being that they hit the battleship and the, the guy who's a younger commander who's used to these guided missile cruisers and whatnot says, we're not going to make it. And one of these Korean war vets <laughs> looks him dead in the eye and says, sir, 
they're not going to sink this battleship. <laughs> and it was like, it worked. I was like, wanted to stand up and salute. And it was so terrible. It was so forced. It was so manufactured. But God damn it, if I didn't want to shoot off fireworks in my living room. I... I, I I ended up having to go to the hospital for priapism. <laughs> <laughs> Batman versus Superman Ultimate Edition. I don't even know why I'm doing the sell on this, but seriously, if you can get it, just borrow it from somebody. It is worth your time. It blew my mind how much more code. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it was so much more cogent of a movie. I was floored by it. And Chad, I will give you a zero investment way of seeing it. I own the movie now. So if you want to see it, I mm. will show it to you for free because it, it I don't, me. I don't know. <laughs> I, I understand. Know. I understand. I think about that. So my other really stupid announcement, just because I'm just going to keep going downhill here. Is it more movie recommendations? Because I know, like, I've got... I no, 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 no. This is a person. Ingmar Bergman's Seventh Seal uh-huh. with a very young Rucker Hauer in it. Yeah. Mm. Wonderful movie absolutely wonderful movie has lots of religious themes on it yeah but it is about a moral quandary it's about a crusader knight who comes back home and he more or less should have died in the crusades and he's come back home to europe and as he's traveling along he is playing a chess game with death for his soul Hmm. and (laughs) it is and it just gets more awesome from there i mean it gets deep in the weeds and it's about as they go on and as they make this journey as he goes back home they encounter these people and you know the crusader kind of puts questions to death of like why did god make people to suffer and why why is this horrible person over here happy and what right do we have to to feel this way and kill these people and do these things? And all the while, they're playing this chess game as they travel. And it hmm. is so good. It's phenomenal. No, this is not. I have not watched that movie. I This is not a movie recommendation. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Seventh Seal, Igmar Bergman. This is almost a confession. Mm-hmm. I found a place that is making me a fully articulated gnarl suit. <laughs> Complete with actual armor, like so, actual medieval armor, everything. But he's wait, wait a minute. Oh, they're gonna make you an action figure? No, no. He's life size you can wear. He's and he's, becoming, and he's not a furry. No, he's not a furry yet because he doesn't have his fur suit. Right, true. But yeah. it's he gonna, has his fursona. His fursona. It's yes. gonna be like articulative, like a completely Dan, I, I, ambulating mouth and possibly I accept eyes. You for who you are. Yeah, and, I, I may not agree with right. it or understand yeah. it, but I accept you and he, I love you, mm-hmm. and I will be there with you okay. through this transition. Good. Yes. Yeah. As, as I transition into <laughs> a knoll, right? <laughs> I can get you a tail if you need one. Though. No, no. It, it, it will come with one. Like I said, it has oh, okay. A, it has a okay. fully ambulatory mouth possibly eyes are looking at that it's going to have like actual like real split male armor yeah and all, i mean like this is going to be phenomenal it's going to be outstanding you could tell you don't have children yeah i know yeah. you have a disposable income <laughs> yeah dink life yeah. <laughs> dual income no kids yep all right so anywho chad you wanted to talk about because nothing works better yes ever Mm-hmm. in the i think there's a hierarchy of terrible terrible ideas for gamers to discuss right like navel gazing wanks yes right at the top you said navel gazing and my mind was like oh my god are we talking about that awful battleship movie no 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 no, yes. no, 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 no. Oh, thank god okay navel gazing. so right at the top 
Yes. Is D&D edition wise. Oh my God, you said it. Yes. D&D. That's what this entire show is going to be about now. No matter what we talk about. Number two is alignment wise. Oh God. Why are you doing this to the show, man? Because, dude, there's like a gutter. And we are just you ever slightly seen, above the gutter. Have you ever seen, it's one of these memes floating around the internet. It's probably not true, but it's one of those urban legends where everyone swears it's true. Where some girl was supposedly flunking a class in college and she knew her parents were going to overreact. So she writes this letter about how she's gotten an unplanned pregnancy and is getting evicted from the dorm and a fire consumed a bunch of her possessions and she got swindled for all her money and all this kind of stuff and just sets up these like really really horrific scenarios Mm -hmm. and then the end says actually none of that's true i'm just failing a class but i wanted you to keep it in perspective (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm doing here okay okay i'm setting expectations of you may think this is bad Mm -hmm. but it's not as bad as this like there are worse diagnoses that the doctor could be giving you right now. Yeah. So now that we've worked our way down from the worst of possible diagnoses, mm-hmm. the third worst wank that gamers can do is when they try to categorize themselves. Uh huh. For example, you can yeah. go back to. So All right. So a, you there's gave... a paper written on some RPG form. Might be an RPG net. Might have been somewhere else where a guy wrote a semi-academic-like paper about different kinds of GMs and different kinds of players and different kinds of games and stuff. And when I read it, I really... And this is where I get, well, I'm a gamist. Well, I'm a narrativist. Well, I'm a simulationist. and Well, I'm a this and that. When I read the paper, I honestly got the impression that this guy was actually making fun of people who get so deep in the weeds on these types of definitions. But that's not what I'm doing. Right, right, right. No, I'm really academic. Yeah, Poe's Law. Right. For not familiar with Poe's Law, basically says that there are some ideas and some groups that are so absurd that at some point you can no longer tell the difference between the real group and satire of the group. That you can no longer tell if someone really believes it or if they're trying to yank your chain. That's what this paper was like. I could not tell if it was satire or real, but it seemed like it was satire that everyone treated like it was... Well, to run a good game, I need to figure out where I align on this guy's list. Yeah, so, there have been a few experiments like that uh, with right. Poe's Law where they like intentionally publish like what's called word salad. Yeah. Which is where they just take phrases that sound mm-hmm. meaningful, but in truth don't actually have any cogent meaning. And then they publish them like in peer-reviewed research journals. And <laughs> they watch people have really serious yeah. debates about them when the articles from the outset utter nonsense, mm-hmm. but nobody called them on it. So you came up with three general categories or descriptors for game masters. Right. And I've got them written in front of me. And I want to hear you define each of these yeah and then and now this is my first time hearing it and i believe pat's as well so we're reacting to this raw so (laughs) i have (laughs) so sorry well yeah we're we're coming in on this bareback and i'm kind of making this up as i go along too so that's to know (laughs) this will be a first okay so your first type is the adversarial gm yeah when you think of these 
remember that this is pulling the lens way back. Right. This, this does not mean... I, I think that you could say an adversarial GM... Well, we're talking about uh, uh, John Grana. We're talking about somebody who's going to use the rule. He runs a very tight game, but he... You know, if the game kills you, it kills you. It's like, no, we're not... You have to get your head out of the rules. Well, an adversarial GM throws a CR seven challenge at a CR two party or anything like that. It, it's not about the mechanics. It's not about anything like that. This assumes that everybody's following the rules and everyone's fine with the rules. This is about the running and the play of the game, not combat encounters, not traps, not players getting killed or not getting killed, not following the rules or making up rules or improving or not improving or anything like that. This is about the general running of the game, the story, the NPCs, and the sort of day-to-day aspects of the game. Right. So an adversarial GM is someone who is not necessarily looking out for the best interests of the players. Now, at first, this sounds like, oh, well, that's a horrible negative. That's that's really terrible. Is this guy going after the players? Well, remember, again, we're not talking about the rules. This We're assuming this person, there's no cheating going on. There's no working the rules to where, oh, yeah, well, I threw a green dragon at you, even though you're level two or anything like that. Again, this is just about the plot and that sort of thing. So an adversarial GM is someone who throws a really challenging plot at you. Like, we'll take an example of a haunted house. An adversarial GM, you go into the haunted house and your characters suffer in the haunted house. The GM does not give you any hints. He doesn't give you any clues. He doesn't remind you of things that are on your character sheet. He doesn't do anything like that. But he is presenting a very good, very tight game that is very scary and is very cogent. But the house, the game... The haunted house affects your characters in very negative ways. And he does not pull punches in that. He doesn't help people. He doesn't do anything like that. Now, contrast that with the second type of GM, which is the Confederate. The Confederate with a lowercase c. Because yeah. We're not talking about the Confederacy. Yeah. Capital C is totally different. I actually looked these definitions up because I was trying to find synonyms and antonyms. Sure. And they said, you know, Lowercase c is this, 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 someone who works with you and blah, 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 uppercase c, anyway. Yeah. But a confederate is somebody who works with you. So, again, to, to better explain the, the adversarial GM, the confederate GM runs a haunted house game. And when you go in, the confederate GM is telling you stuff like, it's a haunted house and blah, blah, blah. And, hey, you know what would be really awesome? Like, if we went in the basement, because in the basement, that's where all the crazy happens right you know they're, they're, that's where they torture you and stuff and okay so you see ghosts and the ghosts come out and they scare you and they're negatively affecting your characters and all this sort of stuff and you're fighting them and hey pat you remember your character has this charm you know it's maybe it's something that you forgot in your game or like in when we played on sunday in, in our blades in the dark game they had to make a bomb to blow through a wall, they're trying to get they're crawling through the sewers and they had to get in the basement, right? But they needed to get in the basement to do the score, but it had to be really quiet. So how do you make a bomb quiet, right? And they're talking about it and they're like, well, maybe we won't go to the sewers and stuff. An adversarial GM would have just sat there and gone and let it happen. Let it happen. Okay, so you guys don't go through the sewers because you can't make it quiet enough. That's fine. But what I reminded them, because in that game, I am a I am playing the role of a Confederate GM. I am almost one of the players 
That's how I view it. I reminded Sarah that, hey, Sarah, remember, your character is a leech, like this alchemical person. Yeah. And you have a bomb that you're going to use, but you can make all of these potions and stuff that do damn near paranormal things. And one of those things is you can mix the explosive with a chemical that makes it completely silent. And so it explodes and everything and like the rubble and stuff happens, but it, there's just no sound. Right. Because it's all again, almost supernatural in, in what it can do. And she's like, you can do that. And I'm like, yeah. And you can do that with a lot of other stuff too. And you can, you know, it's like, we kind of start talking about that. And I'm, I was kind of working with her and with her character. And so the two styles of GMing, the Confederate and the adversarial, again, the adversarial would have just in that situation where they were using the bomb, would just said, you know, okay, so you don't want to go with the super plane. That's cool. What are you going with next? Okay. Well, we're going front door. All right. Even though I knew what they could do and would, would try and help them with that. So I don't think that the adversarial GM is a negative connotation. I think that it makes for a sharper, harder, more intense yeah, game. And I think was something that I probably need to draw out here as I listen to you describe this is there's a form of adversarial GMing that we have railed against in right. the past, and I would still rail against right now, yes. which is game masters who feel they're in a competition with their players. Yeah. The, that, what do you have a three foot reach, but all enemies are three feet, three, five yes, inches five, away, five, but five they're all one two, inches away. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. It's, it's somebody who feels that it is their goal mm-hmm. to remain fair but try and beat the players. Yes, yes. That and not that, what that is about. crap. I You'll never hear me say anything mm-hmm. nice about that style. Jimmy, I mean, if you enjoy it, whatever. But you're wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> but all right. So with the adversarial, though, in this sense, mm-hmm. we're not talking about that. We're just talking about that. You'll have to excuse the fireworks. It's July. July 5th. 5th so 5th, yeah. And it rained all weekend. So my neighbors are now shooting off all their fireworks. But anyway, we'll just keep on rolling. Otherwise, we'll never be able to get through this episode. No, no, we will never get through this episode. You guys won't get a show this week. So anyway, the adversarial GM is not someone who's out to get the players, Mm -hmm. but is simply someone who's not per se going to make it easy. They're not going to break into the metagame and give them advice. Right. They're not going to point things out like, hey, you do know it would really offend him if you called him what you're about to call him. Right. Or you know this is a bad idea. Or you're in the sewer setting up a bomb. Does the phrase sewer gases mean anything to <laughs> right, you? Right. Like you could literally go to light the fuse and blow yourselves up with methane. And, mm. and with the adversarial GM too, the adversarial GM is not sitting there going, he, 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 they don't know about this methane stuff. Because if one of the players asks like, okay, is there any dangers here that we should be, that our characters would be aware of cave-ins or anything like that? Like, okay, uh, yes, your character would know about Sewer gas might explode the whole sewer. Oh, okay. Yeah. But they won't necessarily volunteer the information. Right. It's, they might say, okay, what you're doing is extremely dangerous. I just want you to know that. And that might be it. That's a pretty adversarial thing okay. to say. Too. So the Confederate then moves down a step from that mm-hmm. and is willing to at least do some things to kind of yeah. nudge the players in the right direction. Not I, per se going to carry them across the finish line. The adversarial GM has a story, a world in a sandbox and that the players are in it. And it's the player's job to do all the things in it and to assume the risk and, and do all that. And the adversarial GM is running 
the simulation, running the world, running the sandbox. The Confederate GM is someone who is on the ground with the players. They are making a story together. I looked at Sarah for two reasons and told her about her abilities. I'm trying to create this story with them. And in this story, there's this weird clockwork punk alchemical vibe thing that I'm, I'm trying to push forward in the story and that her character is a big part of that. So if she's not understanding some part of that, I want to get her on board so that we collaborate and make the story kind of more right. Right. And the other reason is that I am on the player's side. I'm not on my game side. I want my players to beat my game, and I want to be part of helping them do that. Okay, so let's, I'm guessing this is the opposite extreme of the adversarial, but the third one you have here yes. is the adjudicator. Right. What is the adjudicator? The adjudicator, I mean, they play both sides. It's not about making the game harder, and it's not about just running the simulation. It's It's about, it's the balance. It's about... You know, okay, you go in, have you ever heard of sewer gas before? They would look at it at the players and go, what's your, (laughs) and I actually use this example for the adversarial. Can you tell I'm making this up on the fly? The adjudicator says, you know, there is danger in what you're going to do, but we'll offer no more. You know, they, they, they kind of play both sides of it. They say, I'm not going to look at Sarah and go, oh man, use this this skill and this item and mix them together and make some dice roll and you'll have a silent bomb the adjudicator will say you should think more about this situation so so, maybe you should so maybe i misunderstood is the adjudicator actually more between the adversary of confederate yes okay so we were one extreme the other extreme and now the adjudicator is in the the middle middle. okay i I thought maybe we're working from from kind of black to white here but actually sounds more like we went black to white to gray right so okay so the adjudicator is the one in the middle who maybe kind of tells the players mm-hmm. eh, be careful here yeah. or maybe you should look at your character sheet or i see other ways of approaching the situation sort of thing i actually don't like adjudicators i think that people should generally be confederates i i like being on the side of my players but i also really like adversarial gming Both games that I wrote and the third game that I'm writing now are tailored towards adversarial GMs. Right. Because the game promotes you, asks you to, demands you to hurt the character, not the players. I almost said (laughs) players. It asks you to hurt the characters and to make life very difficult for them and to not help them at all. Because when they win, It's their victory, and it is a victory, and they do win. Whereas with a Confederate, I mean, we're playing a more longer-term game with our Blades in the Dark game, and it's we're kind of creating this world together, and we're kind of creating these characters together. And like I said, it it has a more on-the-ground feel, whereas I feel that the Adjudicator is very fair. It's very even-handed. It's a very good style. But it's also incredibly boring, and it doesn't give any of the advantages of either one. It does not give you the challenge and the savor of victory, nor does it actually help the players in any real way, as far as like a collaboration right. sort of terms go. As I listen to these, I didn't come up with any really strong opinion that 
one of these is right or wrong or more right or more right. wrong. I or, say or, that these are my preferences. Right. Or even that I'm not necessarily sure I have a, a strong preference mm-hmm. as long as the game is fair, which is not what this is about. Right. It, it, it assumes the game it, is fair. It's not adversarial in the sense that the GM is trying to win. Yeah, and it's which, not confederate in that the GM is flipping die rolls that he doesn't like to sure. save the character's lives. Right. I think the reason that I personally tend towards the adjudicator sort mm. of role is because one of the things that I have historically had a problem with as a game master, and I've had some ideas for trying to fix this, but I simply haven't had the opportunity to GM in a group setting, once again, outside of a count or something, but mm. in a group setting in quite some time. So some of these ideas we've talked about, like the three clue rule and, right. and whatever, I simply haven't had a chance to put into action. And so I've always found the adjudicator, that middle role, is a better place for me to sit because I want the players to, number one, earn their victories, mm-hmm. and number two, to surprise me with their cleverness, yes. which they have. There was a Star Trek game in particular that I wish I could remember the details, but they were trying to deal with these gun platforms that would like shoot at them and then cloak and warp somewhere else. And I don't remember the details. I Mm -hmm. wish I did. For some reason, they couldn't lock onto them with any weapons or anything, but they figured out instead how to hit them with a transporter and they just beamed them down to a planet and they were out of the way. Right. I did not come up with that solution to the problem. But when they threw that at me, I was, it was, it was ingenious. It was, it was brilliant. I loved it. But, you know, I want to see that. But at the same time, there are points in the plot where things seem obvious to me, but my players feel like I'm obfuscating. Mm -hmm. And so I find that I've had to kind of step forth a little bit and be like, okay, right. Give me a science roll. And in truth, I'm not even looking at the dice. You could have rolled an upside down giraffe, (laughs) which isn't even on the dice, but somehow it happened. And I'm going to give you the answer Wayne anyway. Wayne has wiener dog d- dice. But does he really? Yeah. Oh, tell him what kind of dice you have. Oh, I have sex dice. Yeah. I have sex position no. dice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's a shock. The, uh, the shocker is One of them is, is the shocker. Yeah, it yeah. is. One of them it's is, awesome. Right, the shocker. Yeah, it's okay. a 12-sided die. It's, it's, it's badass. It's great. <laughs> There's um, some ass in it. There is. There's a lot of ass. It's, they're fun to interpret. Listening to the three definitions, you know, the way you talked about them, to me, it all boils down to pacing mm. and I was guy look at all I yeah. look at the three I look at the extremes I look at the the adversarial I don't mind that party is going to you know churn on things and they're going to go maybe even mm-hmm. have analysis paralysis right. and they're just going to sit back and go that's fine you know mm-hmm. on the flip side of it on the other extreme with the uh, the confederate it's it gets to the point where okay I'm tired of analysis paralysis. So, hey, guys, guess what? <laughs> Your potions can make this thing quiet. Right. And so problem solved and you get it going. And it especially works for you, Chad, because like mm. you're saying, the games that you've written are adversarial because yes, are. in that case, it is all about pacing because mm-hmm. the players have so long to figure it right. out. If they don't, they fail. Mm-hmm. So absolutely there. But on the flip side, in our game, you'll get to the point where, okay, this is just dragging on and on. And, you know, you interject it in or like what you were saying, Dan, you know, give me a role and I don't care what it is. Yeah. Here's the clue that you're going to want. You're and then you've got the role, one you're asking for an excuse to yeah. help them. Because and then well, you've got that in between. You've got that in yeah. the middle. You know, the adjudicator is sort of in, in, in the middle. But I also will say is this. I 
personally, mm-hmm. now again, I'm not the GM, but this is just from observation. Yeah. I personally don't think that you subs- I don't think that anybody really subscribes to any of the three all primarily. Of the time. Yeah, I yeah, think absolutely. it's literally it's I think that really what it is, GMing is a very fluid transition between all three states. Yeah. Yes. And I don't think oh, that absolutely. you're necessarily going to be you're gonna say, well, I'm predominantly in this one or that one. Maybe you could, but Generally, I mean, honest to God, you're going to be in all three of these at at any given time. I I agree with you. And I don't think these are useful categorizations for an individual. I I, I think it's helpful for introspection to say what you're doing at that moment, maybe. But I, yeah, I agree that these, I don't think these are things that this is. I would have described, I would have described this as these are the three facets of a GM. Yeah. Not to say you've got. Three you can either be you can either of, yeah. be this type, this type, or this type. It's like no, I, I, really I don't hate, think that's it. I really hate the uh, Myers Briggs personalities text. I was about to say this yeah. is not the same as saying I'm INTJ. Yeah. Besides right. the fact that those are completely unscientific and debunked, people have different moods and different personalities at different times. And something that I told a couple of people, I've met fans who've talked to me and such. They're like, man, you're so different in person. I really hate you on the show, but man, I love you in person. I actually have a different kind of personality when I'm off the mics. When I'm on the mic, it's kind of like a persona that I have. Yeah. And so GMing like this is the same thing. You know, it's like in these situations, I might be very adversarial. If it's like an intense game or an intense session or intense scene, like if in my game with the strays, if these guys were robbing a bank, and I don't mean, you know, Mission Impossible style. I mean, they're going in. We're kicking down the door, going in guns blazing. I'm not helping them. I'm going to put them through a meat grinder because they're going to feel like they earned that because they decided to go action man on me. And that's great. And I, the idea is to make it fun. And I want them to beat me. And I want to make it hard for them so they earn that victory. Sure. I mean, to but, use... Uh, best example i've got here the video game payday mm-hmm. where you do bank heists yeah it's not helping you no that's kind of the point is the bank doesn't want to be robbed right. the cops <laughs> don't want you robbing the bank mm-hmm. the innocents caught in the middle don't know what you intend to do yeah and depending on how slippery you are with that left mouse button you may <laughs> not even be entirely clear right. uh, <laughs> there's been times i meant to threaten somebody and instead and, uh, uh you're now a <laughs> You're going up for the chair instead of just 30 years in prison. Yeah, exactly. I sent home, somebody home to meet Jesus just because I slipped on the mouse <laughs> button. So, <laughs> Furthering the strays example, too, these guys are in a haunted house right now. And it's this greater plot. This is actually how I've repaired my game from that episode where I said I screwed everything up. And, you know, there's there's like lots of plot and there's lots of th- plot threads that are going to different factions and npcs and there's callbacks to things that i planted in earlier games that are kind of coming home right now on this and i want to make sure that the players experience all of this i don't want them to miss something because they want to know what's going on they want to know the plot i don't want to spoon feed it to them but i kind of do want to nudge them it's like you know hey you guys walk past this big vault maybe you should go check out what's inside the vault Mm -hmm. whereas the adversarial gm is like you know what when you blew up the haunted house you guys left a lot of treasure and weapons on the table because you walk past the vault. Yeah. Why didn't you tell us? I told you there was a vault there. You walked past it. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I think that's where we're going to wrap this one up. But Chad, thank you for this is an interesting way of looking at things. And yeah, I think the the close- silent bomb thing is what got me thinking about it on Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I really did help her. I mean, I really did look at her and say, you know, on your character sheet, you can do this by the rules. Well, and I think that's something that I've also had to do quite a bit of, especially recently for one of two reasons. Either I'm running a homebrew mm-hmm. where the people can't possibly know the setting as yeah. well as I do, or I'm simply running a game that either these people are not generally gamers or they're not familiar with this particular setting. And so they simply may not know that, well, when you encounter this group, this is what it means and this Mm. is what they're interested in and this is how they're going to interpret what you're doing. And so I have to do a lot of things on their behalf to make sure they're making an informed decision, which I suppose at times could be taken to be shepherding their decisions, which I'm not trying to do. It's a hard balance because you don't want to play the game for them. Right. But at the same time, if you know they're about to do something purely out of ignorance, right? They have no possible way of knowing that what they're about to do is a faux pas. That's going to result in, Mm -hmm. you know, them getting executed. I would almost say that if you do that, you're the, the bad definition of adversarial. You're being unfair. Yeah. The the character would know. The player cannot possibly know because they lack the understanding. They did not they read don't the shelf world. of the novels. They did not right. read the 20 splat well, books. Well, they don't, like they they don't live in this world. But then yeah. you don't have the episode of Enterprise where they're going to kill the dog because it peed on the grass. <laughs> I did. It was a treat. Yeah. Oh, it was a treat. It was a, okay. tree. Yeah. It was a sacred yeah. treat. Yes, I did see that episode. Yeah. Oh, God, anyway. I Enterprise. It I did. was so good. Especially in third and fourth seasons. Oh, my yeah. God. It was like. Once Rick Berman got off the show. It's like they knew that they were going to be canceled at the end of the season. So they're instead of saying screw it, we're just going to phone it in. They're, they're like, we are going to make this the Star Trek fans TV show. Yeah, I yeah, I have a somewhat different understanding, which is uh, that when they thought it was going to get canceled, Rick Berman punched out and passed it to the B team writers who were apparently actually the good writers yeah. and, and the super fans. And they and, pulled yeah. the show out of the show. But anyway... All right, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2016. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.